A couple weeks ago, Ron, Pastor Ron's last question on his message, he said, do you want or need more of God? And then uh, just a week ago or two, uh, Michael, uh, one of his last questions on the end of his message, are you ready to grow deeper with the Lord? Now, I've been in ministry about 50 years. Well, let's just stop right there. I'm getting older. And <laughs> it just reminds me of the couple, okay, that, that were going to a memory class, a clinic, a memory clinic, and they were learning all kinds of new memory association techniques. And the husband had a friend over for dinner, <clears throat> and he was telling them about this wonderful memory clinic. <clears throat> and um, uh, the friend said, well, what's the name of it? And he said, uh, the husband said, well, what's the flower that has the long stem and the thistles, and it smells real good? And his friend said, Rose. He goes, yeah, thank you. He said, Rose, honey, what's the name of that memory clinic? I'm, as I get older, I'm beginning to realize that cremation is going to be my own last chance to have a smoking hot body. <laughs> That's gross. That's gross, I know. <clears throat> oh, brother. Okay, so where was I? I, pa I pastored for uh, 10 years. I, I was on a staff for 10 years, and then I was a lead pastor for about 30 years. And... Um, I was a district leader, and I was on a regional board over nine states with our group. And, um, and then when we came here, I started working as a hospice chaplain. That's been about seven years now that we've been coming here to Emmaus, too. And, and um, so in my experience, to answer the question, does the church in America need more of God? Whew. My answer is a definite yes. Praise God for the good things that he's doing, the wonderful people, so many good things, but man, there's so much more. And uh, um, do, how many of you here feel like there's a whole lot more in God that we're going to see at Emmaus? You just feel it down in your bones, deep in your soul. Uh, but the verse today I want to look at is uh, James 4.8, and it says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Now, when you look at that in the Greek, it's, it, that's what it says. <laughs> draw near to God, and, and he will draw near to you. <clears throat> yeah, and, and in the context of that chapter, James is saying, come on now, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, and, and get rid of that divided spirit and heart, and let's get going with God. And that's what he's urging them to do when he comes in. He says, draw near to the Lord, and, and he will draw near to you. So my question today is, what, to what extent can human beings draw near to God? And, and there's all kinds of examples of super saints. A couple of them, St. Francis, <clears throat> he, he lived a life of luxury with his folks, where the home he was born into. And then um, uh, he, he encountered the Lord. And he gave it all up, and he, he lived a fasted lifestyle. And one of the things he would do, he would have the brothers that he was uh, seeking the Lord with and living with uh, at Lenten time, right before Easter, the 40 days before, he'd have his brothers roll them out to an island and just drop them off on the island and then come and pick them up after Easter. 
So he had just spent that whole 40 days and nights seeking the Lord on an island. And uh, I think of John and Charles Wesley that started the Methodist group. Lord help the Methodist group right now. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. But anyway, they, they said uh, they fasted every Tuesday and Thursday for a certain time to a certain every Tuesday. They had a, a regular commitment to seeking the Lord and fasting. And, and John said, we just set ourselves on fire and everybody would come and watch us burn. <laughs> and evidently some people caught the fire then too. But uh, Charles Finney, he was praying in the woods one time, seeking the Lord, and he just got immersed. He had a massive filling of the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, things hap would happen in his ministry where he would walk onto a train or he'd go into a touring a factory, just there to tour the factory, and people would start repenting. And receiving Jesus. Now, to what degree have we drawn near to the Lord? Just think about where you've been in your journey. And where's been the peak moment where you've been just seeking the Lord, pursuing the Lord hard, pressing in to know God more. I, I just want to say that uh, drawing near to God is just not an activity for the super saints. That's okay. You don't have to turn this up. I, I can get in there. I can do it much louder. So, yeah, thank you. <clears throat> uh, when Peggy, it's amazing. When Peggy and I agreed, can you all hear me okay? okay you don't have to. It's ringing a little bit. Thank you. When, when Peggy and I agreed to get married, that we, we, we agreed God was bringing us into marriage, we just, we didn't want to be apart. We, we did everything we could to be together. And when we weren't together, we were writing love notes to each other. You know what I'm saying? We just wanted to hang out with each other. To what extent will God draw near to us? Now, when pastors Michael and Ron asked me to give a message, just something from my heart, I prayed, and a couple days later, I had a dream. And in the dream, I was writing this message that I'm sharing with you this morning. It was just coming so crystal clear. And I was writing it down. Point by point, verse by verse. And I'd never done anything like that before. So it was either pizza or something prophetic, maybe. I, I didn't have pizza that night, okay? So, but what I believe the Lord is saying, Emmaus, he wants us to ratchet it up a few notches. He wants us to get into a higher level and get seeking the Lord more deeply because he wants to draw near here and do even more than he has been. We have a big, big God. Somebody please say amen. <laughs> well, look at this slide. <laughs> These came from James Webb Telescope. It's a brand new telescope. If you haven't seen it on Facebook or something, they've been showing that this is one of the initial batch of pictures that they put out. It's way higher than the Hubble. The Hubble's getting old. And, it's, and, and, and this thing's way higher and sees way further into the universe. But... Um, they, they were, uh, you can't, you know, if you could zoom in like on your iPad or phone or something, you could see these galaxies. That's all galaxies. That's not stars. Those are, most of them are galaxies. And the, they, they were bending the light. And so that was, that really brought the astronomers and it piqued their interest. Uh, what was going on causing that? But if you, if you count those up, there's easily over 100 galaxies there in that shot of the universe. And one of the uh, astronomers said that that, that's like putting a grain of sand on the tip of your finger, that little picture of the universe, and that's compared to the rest of the universe, that's what it'd be like. 
Now, our, our, our galaxy that we live in, the Milky Way, is like a medium-sized galaxy, as you know, and it's 100,000 miles from one end to the other end. 100,000 miles, 100,000 light years from, from end to end. Way big difference, right? <clears throat> yeah, because light travels at 186,000 miles a second. So that's like six and a half times around the circumference of the world in one second. Everybody's put your finger out. And when I say go, put your other finger and try to go around your finger six and a half times in one second, okay? <laughs> Don't hurt your wrist if you're older, all right? On mark, it's set, go! <clears throat> I can't even do that. I can't even do that. But light travels around this planet Earth and that, poof, just like that. And so going 100,000 100, years at that speed, it would just from our medium, our one galaxy. And, and they said that in this new telescope, uh, the second batch that they sent out, that uh, they found a galaxy that is 500 million light years away from us. I'm just sitting there going, man, Lord, you're big. <laughs> big. We have a big, 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 big God. Look at the second slide. This is, an, this is another of the first batch. And... I've got that wrong, I'm sorry. It was kind of unclear because they said there was a death star and a birth of a star, and I was thinking maybe this was looking cooler as a birth, so I called it birth, but it's really the death of a star. If you look there, <laughs> there, there that big, when the way in the middle is a star that's dying. You know, they implode upon themselves, and then the pulsars come from that, which are like six miles, they're like from here to Nixa, and they're so dense when they collapse in on themselves a teaspoon, it weighs thousands of tons. And those pulsars spin at like 32 times a second out in space. Just so big, so fast, so dense. But that, that's a star that's dying there. Now, they did the second batch. I don't know what that stuff is around, if that's some kind of space dust or something. But it, and when you turn it sideways, it looks like a, a mountain ridge or something. And there's all kinds of uh, new stars. When they said this was the birthing place of a whole bunch of stars. It was like a little star maternity ward, just, and I don't know how that happens, but it was happening. <clears throat> but God is big, amen? God is strong, and he knows what he is doing. Jeremiah was meditating on this in chapter 32, and he said, oh, Lord God, it is you that has made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and by your outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. And Jesus said, hey, all things are possible with him. With you guys, with us humans, it's, there's impossible things galore. But with him, there's nothing impossible, Luke 18. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and it hasn't entered in the heart of man the things that God has for those who love him. Psalm 139 blows my mind. It says that he knows what you're thinking right now. David wrote he knows what you're going to say before you say it. Jesus talked about the hairs on our heads, right? The numbers. He knows when we sit. He knows when we rise. He knows when we go in and he knows when we go out. He knows everything. God is watching also. He's big and he's watching us. It says that when we're still being formed in our mother's womb, he writes in his book how many days we have. He's watching and he knows what's going on. <laughs> I, I remember reading, <clears throat> there's so much he wants us to learn. 
There's so much. I was reading about how our atmosphere has 21% oxygen in it. And, and the author was saying if we had a, you know, more, a certain level, we'd be in danger of sparking and burning and blowing up. And if we had less, <laughs> you know, we couldn't breathe. And I was saying, Lord, how do you maintain 21% oxygen on planet Earth? How do you do that? With civilization, all the people, the billions of people, the roads and the buildings and, and you know how it is with trees and green things and us with o CO2 and O2, carbon dioxide and the exchange and photosynthesis. How do you maintain it at 21%? Two days later, I bumped into something called diatoms. Anybody ever heard of diatoms in here? Raise your hand if you've heard of diatoms. Three, four or five maybe of us. <clears throat> Okay, I didn't learn about them until I was about 68. This was a few years ago. And uh, uh, let's, let's look at a diatom here. Let's look. Now, this is arranged. Uh, somebody arranged this. They're, they're uh, single-celled algae when, they're, when they come, when they're born. Single-cell algae. They live about six days. And they, they take um, uh, CO2 into them and they produce oxygen and people scientists say that they produce um, up to 20 to 50 and some say up to 60 or 80 percent of our oxygen on planet earth these little guys they they need a house when they're when they come when they're born however they're born i don't know how they come about but i mean there's a reproduction there somehow but one single cell algae algae and they need a house so they grab the silicone out of the water they're found in salt water Fresh water, some, and even some uh, dirt land. But um, <clears throat> they, they build, the, these, this is their house. They build a glass house. And they, it's usually like a ribbon or a triangle or a star or something circular like you see there. But uh, uh, there's places in the ocean one half mile deep of these diatom shells. There's a lot of diatoms on planet Earth. And there's a man named Kluss Kemp. Show the next slide, please. Kluss, he loves diatoms. He's dedicated his whole life to studying diatoms. And this is his art. He's put them together in this kind of an art form. And you have to do it with a microscope because there's like 4,000 of them, of them can fit on your thumbnail. So, I mean, you have to have a microscope to see these little fellers. But these are their houses, and this is the art that uh, Mr. Kemp put together with these diatoms. But that's amazing. You know, we go from micro to micro here, macro to micro. <clears throat> but what amazed me, too, in all this is that I asked the Lord, how do you maintain 21% oxygen? And then he told me two days later. <laughs> I mean, I, isn't it wonderful how he teaches us stuff? It's so awesome. Blows my mind again and again. I have a blown mind pretty good. <laughs> but God is watching us. Okay, he was watching Paul on the way to Damascus. Paul thought he was going to just capture Christians, kill Christians, wipe out the sect of the Nazarenes. God had different plans on poof. Three days he can't see, then the Holy Spirit comes, you know, Ananias. Poof, and God puts Paul on a whole new level. A whole new level, a whole new direction in life, just like that. See, God was watching him. Moses thought he was out shepherding some sheep, and all of a sudden he sees this bush. Take off your sandals, Moses, the place you're standing, holy ground. Who is it? I am who I am. And Moses' life went in a whole new direction. 
Mary, Virgin Mary, being a young Jewish gal, all of a sudden an angel standing in her bedroom one night. He delivers his message and she says, well, let it be to me as you have said. I'm the servant of the Lord. I'm the handmaiden of the Lord. Bam, her life just took off like crazy in one moment of God meeting with her. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. And when he draws near to us, things happen beautiful. David, when Samuel anointed David to be king as a young guy, it says the Holy Spirit entered him like a rush of wind. And it vitalized and energized his life, the rest of his life. What's the one thing that, that David prayed after he sinned with Bathsheba and had her husband killed? Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. The night I was saved, our band was fronting a band called REO Speedwagon in Iowa. And I was in a, see, a long time ago, I was in a, a dressing room meditating by myself, completely sober. And, and, and I, I heard... I did, it wasn't an audible voice. It was almost like I heard it in my head, though, because it was such a strong thought. It's go outside and read the pamphlet that's on the meaning of Christmas that's in the bus. And I pushed it out of my mind because it was raining outside. And then it came back a second time, stronger. Then it came back a third time, stronger. Go outside and read the pamphlet on the meaning of Christmas. And Well, I went out. I said, okay, you know, what's this God showing up talking to me here? What's going on? I told the guard I had to go to the bus. He said, okay, I'll watch for you when you come back. I had stopped raining, and I bumped into people that were handing out tracts and witnessing for Jesus out front. <laughs> and one of them stopped me, looked at me, said, would you like to talk about Jesus? <laughs> I'm thinking, go outside and read the pamphlet on the meaning of Christmas. And this brother asked, this guy asked me, would you like to talk about Jesus? So anyway, I received the Lord that night, and poosh, he changed my direction real quick. All of a sudden, he turned me into a pastor. It's a miracle. <laughs> truly, truly. God's still working. Can anybody say amen to that? God is still working, and he's doing marvelous things in people's lives. Elisha, and the king of Aram, was uh, really getting upset because he was making plans against Israel in war. And every time he'd do something, Israel would be ready for him and would stop. He thought, we must have a spy in our midst. And they said, no, it's Elisha the prophet telling them all your stuff that's going on. Every move you make, he's hearing your plans. So, okay, we'll get rid of Elisha. So he put his army around the town Elisha was in. Remember the story of 2 Kings 6? When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army of horses and chariots has surrounded the city. Oh, no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now read this verse 17 with me on the slide. Thank you. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Open his eyes so he can see. God's doing stuff that we have no idea about. He is working. He is moving. He's on the move. There's a man named Joseph White who wrote a poem tonight. And at the beginning, he, he talks about, imagine what it would be to be Adam. And you're looking at the world for the first time. The bugs and the birds and sheep and the cattle and everything and, and, and you're, you're a whole day looking at creation 
walking with God somehow, and then the sun goes down. And all of a sudden, he could see the glories of the heavens. And, and the poem goes, and creation widened in man's view. <laughs> and then at the end, he goes, hey, why should we shun death with anxious strife? If light can thus deceive, wherefore cannot life? You know, the life that God's given us and the capacities we have to see, hear, and touch, and taste, and smell, you know, these things limit us from seeing what God's doing. But he is on the move. Daniel, I love the story of the handwriting on the wall in Daniel 5. <laughs> king Belteshazzar, he was just a pup king. He didn't even know Daniel. He was new to the scene, the throne of Babylon. And he had this idea one night to get the, uh, the, the silver bowls and the gold cups uh, that were taken from the temple of Jerusalem, and they were going to party with that. And, and they were in there praising the God of wine and gold and silver. And all of a sudden, near the lampstand, so everybody could see, handwriting on the wall, a hand starts writing. <laughs> and, and, and King Belshazzar just freaked out. His knees were knocking, it says. He turned pale like he almost fainted. One commentator said the idiom could be, it could be translated that his bowels were loosed. <laughs> King, King Belshazzar may have pooed his pants. I mean, that's possible. That's a possible translation. That's a possible translation. <clears throat> and so he begins to scream. Get my wise guys in here. Tell me what's being written on the wall. And the queen mother hears this and comes in and says, there's a guy named Daniel that can tell you this stuff, <laughs> you know, so they bring Daniel. He orders Daniel to be brought in, and Daniel, Daniel reads it, you know, many, many, tekel, parson. And he said, King Belshazzar, many, many, your days are numbered, king, and, and you've been weighed in the balance, tekel, and, and you've been found wanting. Parson, the Medes and the Persians are coming. They're going to divide your kingdom, and you know, and, 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 and then he wanted to give Daniel, Daniel all the kingdom he wanted to give him. And Daniel said, no, you keep all that stuff. It's all right. Because that very night, the Persians came in and took over Babylon and killed the king. God is working. Much of what he's doing is unseen to us, like the special forces in the military, like our CIA. How many of you agree with me this morning there's a lot more of God for us to know. What he's doing, what he wants to do, what he's going to do, what he has planned for us. I'm going to ask a series of questions. Our pastors do like three questions or two or something at the end. I've got 15. <laughs> I do. Well, maybe 16. But, but, but not all of them is going to fit you, all right? But even if just one of them fit, whatever the Lord's saying today, hey, this is a way you can draw nearer to me. That's what I want you to be listening for, please. If, 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 this, if this is a way that you can be drawn near to me, because I want you, you may ask, to prepare the way of the Lord a little bit more for me, because I want to come in greater ways. Now, I respect the ways the Lord has come in this place. It's amazing, and it's an honor for me to join up and be a part and to help in any way I can. I'm, I'm honored and blessed to do that. But there's so much more he wants to do. There's a whole lot more. Can you feel it down inside, deep in your spirit? He wants to do a lot more. So my heart is to encourage you in this, and, and I want you just to hear from the Holy Spirit, okay? So please, 
has it been a while since you've led someone to Christ? And I know that when somebody in the camp, young people's camps, receives Christ, and that we all share in that victory when somebody receives the Lord at a house church. I understand that. But I mean personally, I'm asking, has it been a while since you? You know, we're supposed to be doing that stuff, right? Okay. <laughs> now, but we've, we've got a pretty good evangelistic quotient going on in Emmaus. And I mean, the missionary, it, it's amazing. What, how many of you have been to Ecuador? Please just raise your hand. Raise it high. How many of you have been on Ecuador or and a mission trip? Please keep them up for every all. See, look, there's a good, there's half of the people in this, and, and the second service will probably be this similar. There's a lot of wanting to go and, and reach out. And that's a beautiful thing. And God's going to bless that more, though. <laughs> He's going to bless it more. Pastor Clint is in Honduras working how to help pastors with their churches in Honduras. We're already spreading out of Ecuador. Isn't that good? Man, it's really good. Has God ever spoken really clearly to you about sharing your testimony or the gospel with somebody? Like Peter when he was on the roof praying, go with those Gentiles. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing when that happens. Like Philip, go, go talk to that eunuch there in this chariot. Have you ever had a vision or a dream or a revelation of what God's doing or is going to do? Like Mary and Joseph did? Whew, that was some real direction, wasn't it? Is time with God in prayer and the word still not a regular thing with you? Whew, that's so vital right there. Amen, church? So vital. You want to hear from the Lord? You want to be used of the Lord? Make it a priority to spend time with him in the word and in prayer. Joshua 1 and 8, don't let this word depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. See, there's a commitment of continual, uh, uh, a fasted lifestyle, if you will, on seeking the Lord in that sense. And maybe you're doing that really well. Keep it up. But God is asking you to go to a higher gear yet. Have you or are you presently being discipled or discipling someone? That giving and taking going on between us, the sharing and receiving. How many of you here are part of a house church? A whole bunch of us again. See, that's good. How, how can you have Christianity without community? Amen? It's so good. That's a, that's a real strong point. With it. Well, God wants us to keep ratcheting that up, you know. If you're part of a heart house church, please show up more than just once every three months or every eight months, okay? Try to, try to make it a regular thing and see what God will do. Has it been a while, or maybe you've never started, setting apart a certain amount of money to regularly give to your church home? Whew. I want to tell you, Emmaus does pretty good at this. And I don't know who's given what, but I know what the given is. I know how the flow flows. <laughs> and you guys, thank you for your faithfulness and giving to Emmaus. You guys are awesome. I'm serious. I've seen a lot of churches, and, I've been, and this is amazing. 
So thank you for your faithfulness and financial giving here at Emmaus. It is beautiful. It is a sweet incense rising up to the Lord. I know it is. It's a beautiful thing. And probably partly because we have a value of giving 20% of whatever comes in to outreach into missions. You think there's any connection there between the flow of finances because of that? That's a unique thing. Church has given that much to missions and outreach. Could you use some improvement in your marriage? How many of you know kissing was created by God? It's biblical. Kiss one another with the holy, welcome each other with the holy kiss. Remember that verse? You know what the purpose of kissing is, don't you? (laughs) It's a means by which we can get together so closely we can't see anyone's bad stuff. Do you need some improvement in your marriage or in your parenting? We need more of God. How many of you parents can say, I need more of God in this parenting stuff? Mm, righteous, you know, who, could not, who would not want to live with love, peace, joy, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? <clears throat> Ever cast out a demon? You know, that's in the Bible, right? You ever had a demon cast out of you? <laughs> Whew, that's a freeing thing. Anyone here ever been transported to another place right after you led someone to Jesus like Philip did? He leads the, leads the eunuch to Christ. Here's some water. Let's get baptized, the eunuch says. Okay. And then Philip vanishes. Wow. Imagine what a testimony to Africa that was from that, that what happened there. That guy was a government official in charge of the treasury. I I haven't been transported either, but I was in a meeting once where a speaker was saying that he had been. He was on his way to a conference, going down the steps with his suitcase, and then all of a sudden he was where he was supposed to be going. He never never figured out why God did. I mean, he just said that. He doesn't know. That's a sign and wonder, I guess. Anybody ever walk on water trying to get to a place to witness to them? <laughs> Mel Tari was involved in a revival in Indonesia in the 70s, and he was speaking in a place where I was at. And, and he talked about the part of their group was trying to get to a village to, lead, to bring the gospel to them, but the, there was a really raging springtime, rough river. And so they prayed about it because they really felt that they needed, it was a time for them to hear the gospel. And, and they okay, let's try it. Okay, so they stepped in there, and it said it went up to about their ankles, but they made it across. That'll make you wonder, won't it? I've never done that. Anybody here done anything like that? But guess what? He said we'd be doing greater works than he did. There's more. Tell your neighbor there's more. Please, tell your neighbor there's more. There's more! Anybody here raise anybody from the dead? (laughs) Do we need more of God? Is it possible that somebody could be raised from the dead? Did Jesus get raised from the dead? (laughs) Oh, yeah. 
yes, oh, yes. I, the closest I've come to is I was talking to a guy in an ER in a hospital once, about this far apart, and we were just talking. All of a sudden, he fell back dead. And they came in the ER, and they got ready to shock him, and they brought him back, and he was struggling like crazy. And he wrote me a little letter, said, Brother Bill, Pastor Bill, he said, this is what happened. He said, when I died, as, I, as my spirit left my body and I was leaving the room, I saw you guys working on me. And then I started going down. And it got hot and uncomfortable, getting really bad. He said, I heard a voice that issued a command. He said, I started going up to that. And he said, I was, it was, I was going to where he was, a place of peace and beauty, so great, so wonderful. He said, I was almost there. And then you guys shocked me back to life. And he did not want to come back. He said, go ahead and tell people that story because there is a, a place to avoid and there's a place to go to that you want to go to. Have you ever been filled up with the Holy Spirit or refilled where it put fire in your worship and your witness? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Anybody been put in a, a bowl of boiling oil and not get burned? Apostle John knew about that. Anybody here been stoned? In, I mean, with rocks. Stoned? <laughs> imprisoned? Of course, with rocks. Imprisoned or whipped? Threatened for Christ's sake? I mean, the early disciples considered that a joy. Amen? An honor. Man, when the Lord starts showing up, it is beautiful. It is a piece of heaven. It is awesome. It is wonderful. It, it, he, he's the one who makes things happen. It's by him we live and move and have our being. And when he shows up and he orchestrates and souls are coming to him, oh, it's so beautiful. It is so wonderful. But it's also a great responsibility, Emmaus. And when we begin to see more and more happening, we have to walk in complete humility before him. Because it's not us at all. He's the one that does it. His is all the glory. And also, there's somebody that doesn't like that kind of thing called the devil. And he will try to stop it. He will send people to hurt you in one way or another. You know, there's going to be people when the Holy Spirit starts moving even more and more and more in Emmaus that are going to hurt you because... The Holy Spirit in you irritates their demons, is what it gets down to. They, the, 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 the gospel offends people because Jesus did not tolerate sin. And when God starts moving, when the Holy Heavenly Father starts moving, there's going to be people come against that. But if you get hurt by somebody saying something, doing something, just forgive them and keep pressing on into God. Just keep pressing into the Lord. Keep asking for more because you're an elite company. Slide number eight, please. Jeremiah 29 in the Amplified says, Then with a deep longing you will seek me and require me as a vital necessity, and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. With all your heart. And David says in 105, If we seek God, we'll have a happy life. And our eyes must be open, though, to watch for his works. And we need to be alert for the signs of his presence and to press into that. 
Pastor Ron was quoting Second Chronicles, you know, if my people will humble themselves and pray, that when we really get pressing and seeking the Lord and he starts showing up, it can heal our land. How many of you know our land needs a lot of healing? Mm -hmm. Stop the catastrophe, Lord. Daniel says in 11, those who know their God will what? They'll be strong and do exploits. I want to tell you today, everything we do and think counts. Everything we do or say counts toward drawing nearer to the Lord and him drawing nearer to us. Everything we do counts. Wouldn't it be fun if on Friday night we had this many people there on the third Friday night prayer meeting seeking the Lord together? How many of you think it'd be fun? Come on, come on, wouldn't that be amazing? Can we ratchet that up a little bit, church? Do you think that's possible? If you can't come out every month, try once every three months. <laughs> a little bit can help. That prayer meeting is one of the most important things we do here. Didn't Jesus say something about my house should be called a house of what? Just one, one, one little example of how beautiful it is. And I, I'm going to share a pearl with you, so please don't trample on it. As a hospice chaplain, I was ministering to a, two saints, elderly man and woman, in their home. He had a stroke. He was getting weaker and weaker. She was caring for him. And uh, they were... I, I had a rapport with them about a year long, once a month, going to, and seeing them and praying with them. We'd laugh. He couldn't speak real well, but he could get a joke like that. You know, he was with it, but he couldn't get the words out. She'd have to help him. So he'd look to his wife and she'd tell him what he's thinking. <laughs> you know how your wives can do that. <laughs> but so <clears throat> it, we had a lot of fun together too, but they, they were beautiful. It was a delight to worship and pray with them. Well, they had hoped that they'd die in their home, just to have lunch, lie on the sofa, take a nap, and not wake up. Both of them wanted that. Well, it got to the point where she couldn't help. He got weaker and weaker. He, it was too much for her. And even with all of our help with the hospice and the hospital, Ben's AIDS, and she had to put him in a facility. And so I went to visit him in the facility. And I said, Ken, you know, Billy didn't want me to put you. It's killing her that she had to do this but I know that you don't want to be a burden to her. And, and you could tell him, no, I don't, want to be a, I don't want to be a burden. So he understood that. And, and I said, it's, it won't be long. You're going to be with Jesus. And, uh, you know, he was just sad to have to be there. It was breaking his heart, too, to have to be there. But uh, <clears throat> we prayed and stuff. And then I asked him, I said, uh, Ken, where's Jesus in all this? me <laughs> I went home and told Beck about it and I just started weeping and I told our seasons team <laughs> in a devotional and I just started and now I'm weeping again talking about it and I'm just telling the church <laughs> that's the place I want to be 
bringing people to Jesus and bringing Jesus to people. It is amazing. That's a good place. That's the best place. And if I have to skip a meal, or if I have to go to a prayer meeting, or if I have to stop watching so much TV, or whatever he's asking you to do individually, whatever it is, to go the next step and to grow closer to him, it's worth it. It's so worth it. Can we just make this a place of prayer for a little while and just ask the Lord, what can I do? to draw closer to you. What can I do, Lord? <sighs> Worship team, you can come up. Just play some music for a few minutes, though. Don't start the praise song for a little bit, okay? <clears throat> Let's just begin in in prayer. Just make where you're at just a place of prayer. Go back and receive some prayer. Or come to the front. What? Just, would you please not leave this place till somebody's prayed for you or you've prayed for somebody else. Lord, how can we draw closer to you? Lord, please just come and as we seek you here in these few moments, please give us hearts that require you as a vital necessity and that you would, that we could draw even nearer to you. Show us, speak to us individually today, this afternoon, this week in a dream or in the word or just whisper to our hearts so that we can worship you more in spirit and truth and witness more boldly of your good news. Lord, thank you for what you've done in Emmaus. Thank you for what you're doing and thank you for what you're going to do. So saints, just call out to the Lord, please. Just, just make this a place of prayer for a few moments here before we do this last worship song. <clears throat> Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us, Lord. You're a big God and you're watching and we know you're up to so much. We know you're doing such, you do good work, Lord. So good shepherd, come and guide, our, guide your sheep here into being where you want us to be and doing what you want us to do. Come, come. We need you, Lord. We need you. We need more of you, Lord. Pour out your spirit. Open doors of faith. Set up divine appointments. Strengthen, heal, nurture, comfort, uplift, heal, strengthen. If you need healing here today, just say, Jesus, come. Come, touch me, Lord. You're the healer. Come, Holy Spirit.